You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 41, airing on November 8th, 2012. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And thank you if you are listening for the first time. We are so pleased to have you here, and we really appreciate your interest in this topic of what you can do as an individual and working in community with others to end human trafficking. And also a special welcome back to all of our listeners who have listened to previous episodes, whether you've listened to just a couple or you've listened to all 41 episodes. We are so grateful to have you as part of our community. And today I am pleased to be back with Sandy to talk about the cost of homelessness. And Sandy, we last talked about homelessness uh, last year, actually, just about this time on the podcast. And it is an important issue for us to address and to look in more in depth because there is a huge cost of homelessness. And of course, there's a huge connection between homelessness and human trafficking. Well, Dave, when I started thinking about this, because of course, every year at Vanguard University now, the Global Center for Women and Justice and our family violence class partner to do a solidarity sleep out. And that's going to be November 16th. If you want to sleep outside with us on the damp grass, on a piece of cardboard or against the wall on the cement, it's an experience that changes your understanding of what it means to be mm. homeless. Yeah, I bet. So that sense of solidarity for kids who have never experienced that, and they're university students, and they've had a lot of opportunities. And so when they begin to identify with other kids who did not have the same opportunities, um, it brings up some of the costs of homelessness to us as a community, as a mm. society. And it's it's pretty easy when I look at my university class and I see that these kids are planning to make a difference in our world. They have career goals. They're going to contribute to the revenue in our community. They're, they're going to build the strength of our economy. They're, they're future job holders, and, and some of them, they're future job creators. And so I see what's happening there. And then when I look at California statistics that say that there are 200,000 12 to 17-year-olds that are homeless. Incredible. I think, what is the future for them? Mm. And what does that cost us in un- um, un, unimaginable losses to future growth in our state. And there is a huge social implication to this. There's a huge societal implication. And as we've talked about many times on the show, Sandy, there's a huge economic implication to this too. And so much about economics and cost and profit really does unfortunately drive so much about what happens with human trafficking, with homelessness, with domestic violence, like we talked about on the last episode. And I was struck by some of the stories that Becky talked about on episode 40 of the things that have driven 
the people to get family members involved in trafficking and often, not always, but often, they're economic factors that drive that. And so there's such a strong economic connection here. It's a, it's just incredible. Well, and when we look at homelessness and the connection with human trafficking, um, the statistics, and Becky shared that as well, that 70% of, of domestic human trafficking victims have experienced some kind of abuse in their history. And they may mm-hmm. be homeless because they had to make a choice whether to stay in a very abusive situation or run away. And last year we did the Juvenile Justice Summit, um, four counties from Las Vegas all the way to the beach cities at Vanguard. And one of the findings afterwards um, among the juvenile justice professionals, mostly um, practitioners, probation officers, detention facility supervisors, judges, is the idea that a runaway, someone trying to escape a violent or abusive situation in their home is going to be much more likely to be recruited by a potential trafficker that will either commercially exploit them or use them for labor. So that's labor trafficking. Either mm. either case, we sometimes overfocus on just the sex trafficking, but it's also happening, as Becky pointed out, in labor trafficking right here in our own country. And those officers and and practitioners told us that the first time that um, a young person runs away, um, it's a little easier to return them to their family or to place them in a safer environment. Mm. The second time, it gets a little more difficult. The third time, it's very difficult, and they will likely fall through the cracks. And the fourth time, there's not a very good hope for getting them back. Mm. And they'll be they'll be recruited by someone who wants to exploit them economically, and that may include labor or sex trafficking. So the connections are are just like neon signs for us. The cost of our youth being lost for their contribution to our society, but also lost, and then they roll over into this dark side of our of our community yeah. and they're they're victims of exploitation this is something that uh, my naivete on this sandy continues to amaze me um you know I, and i think i mentioned this on the last episode of just how much this is all so connected and it it just is it, it's so sad how much you know one situation can lead to another and one poor decision either on that individual's part or the family member's part or uh or you know people who support that person's part can really lead to a lot of falling dominoes and so you know i I think that's both um it's both tragic but also i think there's an opportunity for us as people who care about this issue to look at that and look at those connections and think okay what can we do to look back and prevent mm. people from being able to, you know, kind of fall down this path. And, you know, it's so easy. And we've talked about this many times on past episodes, Sandy, that it's, 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 it's appropriate certainly to serve victims. And it's also very easy to get focused on just serving victims after the crimes have already happened. And of course we need to do that. And of course it's wonderful that there are many organizations out there that are doing that. And many of them that, uh, that the global center is affiliated with. And in addition to 
not instead of, the importance of looking at what we can do to prevent people getting into that situation in the first place, which is ultimately what we're really trying to do when we're talking about ending human trafficking. And I, you know, I have conversations, Dave, about how expensive it is to do prevention, the cost of prevention. And if you if you draw three columns, because you know we've talked about the three Ps, prevention, protection, and prosecution. And if you drew those three columns for the three Ps up on the board, on your whiteboard right behind us, mm-hmm. um, you could almost use the same kind of, of um, legend that they do for restaurants. If, um, if it's an expensive restaurant, you've got $4 signs. Right. So I'd put $4 signs in the prosecution. We've spent a lot of money on prosecution. I'd put 2 or $3 signs in protection. Mm. I would have a hard time finishing a dollar sign for prevention. Yeah. And I don't think that's a wise use of our resources as a society and as a government because prevention is always going to pay better dividends. And when we talk about the cost of homelessness, I was pretty surprised to find some statistics out there that are are pretty relevant to this. For instance, it was um, during a briefing on... Um, homelessness in California in 2009, the University of Southern California suggested or they they uh, reported in their study that the annual cost of health care, shelter and other public services tag out at forty eight thousand dollars per homeless individual. Mm, so if incredible. we aren't spending money per on year, prevention, Yes, that's annual. Wow, incredible. And and, an even more recent study in um, Los Angeles, they reported that they compared it to a prevention strategy, Mm -hmm. providing supportive housing for homelessness. And that cost $605 a month per person. Sure. The similar cost to the public for homelessness per person was $2,897 per month, five times greater than the subsidized housing. Yeah, it's a huge difference, isn't it? Well, and and so sometimes when we're trying to make decisions, and everybody knows that I'm passionate about prevention, especially for exploited youth, and they'll say, well, we'd we'd really like to do what you're suggesting, Sandy. Um, And we know you're, you're passionate, and we know you have your heart in the right place. Well, I would suggest to you, David, that this is such an important issue that we need to talk to people about where their wallets are. Mm. This is a financial issue. This is a high cost to us in our um, how we're spending our tax dollars, our revenue. Mm-hmm. So it, it isn't just about some of us who, who tend to be more vocal about how passionately we think about this, but it is also something we have to look at from a bottom line perspective as good stewards of the resources that we have in our city, in our county, in our state, and in our nation. So I think this is probably the point where, um, you know, a lot of people would say, hey, that makes sense. You know, these statistics, just looking at these numbers on the face of it, it all makes sense. And then uh, wonder, okay, what can I do? What's a, what's a, what's a way I can either advocate for, uh, advocate for that uh, to our elected representatives 
or maybe make changes locally or influence someone. So I'm wondering what you see as the opportunities for those who are out there in the community and looking for tools and resources around this. What uh, What's the path forward? Well, I think we have to address the issue of homelessness in our communities. We have to talk to our kids. Um, I think that in, in a healthy middle school environment, talking about homelessness is an important subject because not because I may think that you may be at risk for running away from your situation, mm-hmm. but your your son, your daughter may have a friend who's thinking of running away. Uh-huh. And what if we've talked to our kids about if you have friends that are going to run away, here's a better idea. Let's call child services. Let's find out if there is another way around the difficult situation that they are in and educating our community to be able to identify and intervene in situations where kids are being um, abused or, or are in a violent situation so that we can provide a better placement. Last year at our, um, at our conference that we hold every March, uh, Ensure Justice, And we use that term, ensure justice, just kind of a sidebar here, because it comes from um, a proverb in Proverb 31, where it says to be a voice for those who have no voice and ensure justice for those being crushed. So Mm. we're not talking about at the end, rescue them and try and put them back together. But before they've been crushed, how can we ensure that they get a fair shake. And that means that more of us are going to say, I want to become a foster parent or a foster adopt parent. I, um, I had a family therapist that does play therapy in my class this last week. Mm. And it was an amazing thing to find out that we have special programs to train foster parents to deal with kids who have been in abusive situations because Mm. we're not going to change all of that overnight. We understand that. But these kids, before they've been crushed, what can we do? And so last year, Amelia Frank talked to us about what those kids experience. She talked to us about the grief and loss because we, our picture of a happy childhood is going on a picnic, swimming at the river, going to an amusement park. But um, for a child who is growing up in a, in a really difficult family situation, they actually have to grieve the fact that they don't have any of those things. The expectations for childhood didn't happen for them. Mm. And so the loss of a dream creates a grieving process. And so there's issues with depression and anxiety. And when kids like this run away, where do they run to? It's so good that you bring this up, Sandy, because I think that many of us who were fortunate to grow up in families that, you know, running away was never something that was talked about or considered or done, that to remind i know for me to remind me that this happens that it does happen in schools it does happen to kids i i'm just curious and i i know statistics are always so hard with this do we know how how often runaway runaway type situations happen with kids of school age and then do we know anything about how many of those situations end up people getting kind of pulled into trafficking situations or is, is that all very gray and muddy? 
Um, oh, I think we know more than now than we did a few years ago. Uh, mm. For instance, we do know that we have 200,000 homeless um, uh, students, 12 to 17 here That's a in huge number. California. Exactly. It's almost a quarter million And then the, if you expand that to include um, youth up to 24, the numbers are just astronomical. Mm. And many of those kids, once they turn 18, they're still homeless and they still mm-hmm. are adding to that impact on our, our city budgets, our county budgets, our state budgets with these numbers that I, I cited earlier, $48,000 or $2,957 a month. Um, so how are we addressing that? And the fact that we have a homeless liaison in every school district in California. I remember you us talking about that on a previous show. I was amazed we, and grateful, but also amazed that there was that need. We intentionally identify kids who are homeless so that we can ensure that they get an education. But mm. that is not easy. They're very mobile, obviously. Sure. And so if they get kicked out of one area because there's kind of a crackdown on homelessness, mm-hmm. then they move to another area and they're not near the school they were going to. Mm. Um, Which creates all kinds of other problems. And homelessness um, doesn't look like people sleeping on the sidewalk all the time. Many times, especially for girls, we have um, what they call couch surfers and -and so-and-so is staying with their friend. But now um, she heard so-and-so's parents say, you know, you, your friend can't stay here anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it, We just can't afford it. Or So then she's out. Where does she go? Mm-hmm. And that's where we see these statistics. And Covenant House recently um, produced a report that said 85% of commercially sexually exploited youth here in America, domestic American citizens, 85% had been homeless before they became involved in some kind of um, commercial sexual exploitation. 85% is a huge number. And it's so, I mean, if I'm out there in the community and I want to really work on ending human trafficking, looking at issues with homeless youth and addressing those issues, gosh, Sandy, that's a huge area for us to focus on. Absolutely, absolutely. And and placement is one of the biggest issues. Mm. So placing students so that they have a consistent family life changes everything. Wow. And how can we do that? How can we do that better? Um, I think part of it is changing our mindset about what constitutes prevention in ending human trafficking. Um, we can't allow ourselves to be all caught up in in the hype and the drama and the real sensational cases and not look at what the root causes are and go back and work where nobody else is working. So I've heard you say a number of things generally we can do and and obviously the importance of why we would want to look at the costs of this and the and the connection to human trafficking I think is is obvious, you know, based on what we've talked about. So what are the tangible things that we can do? And, and this is such a huge problem, Sandy, so it's you know it goes back to the story you always tell about having the handle on the pot you know what's the one small thing that you know or maybe not small but the one thing that each of us can do so what's the first step for those of us out there serving the community maybe helping out with victim services or wanting to end trafficking and not having really done anything around homelessness or looking at homeless youth and and now listening to this and thinking oh my gosh you know 
this would be a huge opportunity. What what can people do? Well, I think um, volunteering to work with homeless students is a great idea. Do you know these kids have a much harder time getting their homework done? Mm. Um, these kids need someone in their life that's checking up on them. Um, for some families, it will be an opportunity for them to give a place in their home to a homeless child. Mm. Um, this is something that takes training and commitment. For sure. A lot of, a lot of um, churches and service organizations now actually help do homeless housing and in their homeless housing, they have volunteers that come in and work with the kids on their homework. And so, for instance, my church, two weeks um, uh, last month, we housed several homeless um, individuals and families. And members mm. of our church came in and brought food every night, um, packed lunches for them in the morning, and helped with um, job hunts and transportation and tutoring in in that program the uh another really easy sorry to interrupt you so just to stick with that for a second uh so those of us who are in you know church communities or volunteer organizations that are already have an effort around that i know our church does Mm -hmm. so one is getting involved with that if if you have an effort around that already so i think to kind of play that out is if your community doesn't have an effort around that or there's no apparent effort then maybe you're the person that's the catalyst to get that started and to suggest that as the way we would outreach to the community and to serve and one way to do that if you're going to be the catalyst is to find out who the homeless liaison is in your district Mm, and before you start something go and find out what do they need what do they need do they need tutors do they need um, follow-up does does this student need an advocate? A lot of our kids um, in Orange County are involved in some sort of custody issue. And so they may actually um, be in a program where you can become a court-appointed special advocate and you're mm. that one adult. And you've heard us talk about how important that attachment is, that one person that's following up with this with this student. Those are individual ways that you can become involved. I think on a on a uh, more general scale is to be more open to the issues that surround homelessness and find out how you can get involved in um, supporting initiatives in your city, going to city hall and finding out, okay, so we don't want homeless people on the street. Where are they going to go? How are we going to do placement? And how many of these um, situations are involving youth between the ages of 12 and 24 and what services are available in your community in orange county uh, we know that we can call the oc211 number and they'll link us up with shelters but nationally in each area it's going to be a little bit different um, homeless homeless outreach to youth is really complicated because of of their age and kids are often afraid that you're going to send them back to where they were. Uh, and if where they were is very painful, is very scary, then they're going to evade um, detection. So sure. they're not going to say, hey, I'm homeless, help me. They don't do that. Mm-hmm. They want you to think everything's fine. Here's the address. This is where I am. So how can you tell that this person is homeless? 
And um, some of the, the tips um, uh, that uh, we've received uh, from people that work in this area, like uh, Jean Watkins from Salvation Army, we'll have to have her come and, and be on our on our podcast. Mm, that'd be great. She said, you know, if you see uh, some kids that come to school in almost the same outfit every day, and you think, wow, doesn't seem like they shower every day. Well, instead of thinking we need to send them to hygiene class, we need to find out what resources they're living with. Mm. Asking a different question. Start asking a different question. And I, you know, Sandy, when you were talking about all this the last few minutes, I was thinking about the Dale Carnegie quote, try honestly to look at things from the other person's point of view. He said almost 100 years ago. And I think that there is the tendency for all of us not just in efforts like this, but in our business world and our personal relationships to think about what do we want and what do we want to do? And then to go out and to tell people, here's how I'm going to volunteer. Who's here's how I'm going to add value to this situation. And we forget often that the, the real value we can add is going out first and asking questions. So finding that, uh, that, that homeless, you know, the school resource contact to finding the person in the community who's already doing work around this and asking, what do you need? What are What is needed to serve this population right now? What is needed to serve these children right now? And if we can step back and really ask some of those questions first, that I know when I've done that, Sandy, which I, you know, I'm the first to admit I, I haven't done a lot, but when I've really taken the time to do that well, I will often hear very different things that I anticipated hearing. I'll hear something that is just that, that I was like, oh, wow, you know, I can add value in a really different way than I was anticipating. And that's actually going to help the situation a lot better than if I just went in and did what I thought was the best thing. I, um, I encourage you, Dave, to come and visit us at our Solidarity Sleep It. I know that Luke's too young to join us, so we won't have you sleep overnight. Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you my experience last year, and mm-hmm. it's why I, it, it is about looking at and experiencing things from the other perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the, to the campus, and I was thankful that it wasn't raining. And um, my family, they looked at me and they said, Mom, you really, you're going to sleep out on the grass? Here, take the tarp. Oh, here, take this little cot. Mm-hmm. And so, so I had a little cotton and a, and a little tarp over me so that I would stay relatively dry. And I knew that I wouldn't have access to my lovely closet and all those wonderful things. So I went dressed in my um, exercise clothes, my which I don't exercise much, but I have the clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I'm I'm uh, my pants are always too long. I don't know. I'm vertically challenged. So by the end of the night, even though it wasn't raining, the dew on the grass, um, my pants had gotten wet like three or four inches. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of annoying. And then I laid down and wet sweats around your ankles are really uncomfortable and annoying. And I sat, I laid there awake and uncomfortable and it's dark and there's no place to go to get dry. Right. And I don't have any other clothes. And I'm just stuck there for the night in these wet sweats. Mm. And it suddenly just, I thought, that's really pretty minor compared to what somebody else in this place, in these shoes, in this cot, yeah. um, where they are. 
So the value of the solidarity sleep out is exactly what you said, looking at it from somebody else's perspective. And that experiential learning, um, I think it can change how we address this. And I think one of the things that we are trying to do, Sandy, on this podcast is to get us all thinking differently Mm. because we, regardless of our experience level with this issue and how many different ways we've served people or not, you know, we really do need to study the issues and our own beliefs and our own preconceptions about what's going to help situations. And I think that this conversation we've had today is a perfect example of that, of just the importance of really stepping back so we can study first, then, you know, be a voice to help make a difference in ending this, this issue. And, and certainly the more we can focus on addressing homelessness and particularly in youth, the impact we can make immediately in, in ending human trafficking. And, and there's, and you know, you've mentioned a couple of times the solidarity sleep out, and I think this is a, yeah. a good time for us to mention it because it's coming up uh, in just about a week. And so uh, this is a good time for us to talk about for those who are in Southern California. And I know that's uh, that many of you listen uh, in other parts of the, uh, the States here and other parts of the world. And so uh, not everybody will have the chance to do this, but for those who are local uh, to us, Sandy, or maybe even want to travel uh, to come out, tell us about the Solidarity Sleep Well, out. you can contact us at 714-966-6361, or you can email gcwj at vanguard.edu. It's on November 16th. It's a Friday night from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And our students will be... Um, raising money for the Salvation Army Homeless Project here. Mm. And so those of you who who would like to support that can go online and support one of our students that's sleeping out on a piece of cardboard. Mm. And those of you who'd like to come and join us, uh, we'd love to have you. This is our opportunity to really be not just a voice, but at, take some action to stand up with the kids that may be um, much more vulnerable, much more at risk for all kinds of of exploitation and abuse. And so Vanguard is opens up the whole um, lawn area and it puts on extra lights for us. They kind of spoil us. It's not a real homeless situation but because we're pretty safe. But um, we would like to have our community join us for the Solidarity Sleepout November 16th. And you mentioned the power of just even in spite of it being a controlled environment and a safe environment of just going through that experience yourself and and experiencing that. And so for those who are not local and may want to support a student or support you, is there a way that, uh, is there an address or something to go to? gcwj.vanguard.edu and click on Solidarity Sleep Out. Oh, okay, great. Mm -hmm. Great. And and I think they've got it all set up so you can make a, a pledge or a contribution but um, uh, we would love to have you get involved. Perfect. And go on our webpage and subscribe to our newsletter. We, we um, enjoy sharing some of the highlights of our activities, and many of them are focused on ending human trafficking. And one more thing to mention for our listening community is that we have recently been picked up by the Stitcher Radio Network. And so I may have mentioned this on a previous show, but if you're looking for a really good way to listen to this show, as well as many other podcasts out there, um, almost 99% of the podcasts out there are free. There's wonderful, wonderful resources that you can 
use to educate yourself, not only in this issue, but on so many other issues online through podcasts these days. Sandy, it's one of the, actually the probably the primary way I learn these days is through listening mm. to podcasts from all kinds of organizations. Um, I would really uh, recommend utilizing Stitcher. Uh, go to stitcher.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R.com. You can set up an account for free and you can favorite our show and you'll get new episodes automatically. The great thing about Stitcher is you can listen on, right on your computer, Sandy, or you can download the Stitcher app for an iPhone, an iPad, an Android device. Uh, it syncs with all those devices. Mm, so you can listen to nice. podcasts all over the place. And there's even some new cars out that have the Stitcher app. You can download it into mm. the entertainment system and listen while you're driving. Of course, if you have a you know, a smartphone or something like that, you can plug that in and listen as well too. There's so many great ways um, to utilize Stitcher. And it's one of the things that I've been recommending to more and more people. So if you're looking for a great way to listen and, uh, and, and if you're listening on Stitcher already, thank you so much for listening. And if you're looking for a good way to stay uh, in tune with what we're doing, go to stitcher.com. Again, that's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. And if you are already listening to us on Stitcher, thank you. Hit the little thumbs up icon if you liked this episode, because that'll help us to uh, get more traction on the Stitcher network. And if you want to get future episodes, hit that little star button on Stitcher, whether you're on your computer or on a mobile device, and that will ensure that you get new episodes for our show whenever we air them. Great. All right. And speaking of our show, we, of course, want to continue to hear from you and hear your questions, comments, feedback for us. We covered a lot of ground today, Sandy, and I bet people are going to have some questions about resources and tools. And so the best way to connect with Sandy and the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University of Southern California is to reach us by our phone, which is 714-966-6361. You can always reach us there or email at gcwj at vanguard.edu. Sandy, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and I'm glad we had a chance to connect again today. Thanks, Dave. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you again in two weeks. Take care.